assuming you edit all, all my boo-boos and coughing and sneezing. And the coughing and giggling. sneezing. Giggling. Giggling, we're going to keep in. All right. <laughs> um, and of course, I can talk. Well, let's hope I can talk today. <laughs> right? I know. I feel the same way, sure, too. Sure. <laughs> and we do sort of keep in some of our little funnier exchanges of course, of course. because sure, that's it's fun. It's more fun. Right? Yeah. Right. It is. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to In the Act, a program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just start and stop with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we choose to express ourselves and live creatively. We're connecting with people about their lives. And that is the subject of our show. Broadcasting from the studio in Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today's guest on In the Act is Marilyn Montemayor. Hello. Hello, Erica. Nice to see you today. So nice to see you, too. I talked with Liz Giovanetti this morning. She said to say hello to you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. She I lives in Liz. outside of Georgia right now. That's right. Oh, really? Cool. Her husband is some sort of wonderful physicist. Yes, which is like an art of itself. Of I think physicists are artists. Right. Absolutely. And of give and a gifted son, of course, who's fifteen. Fun. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Funny how that works that way. That's so great. Yeah. And you know, I think of you, I love that that's like your opening because it's you're a people lover. Oh, you, I do like people. Yes. Gosh, I, do. I mean you're you're so I met you at the Art Center, the John Michael Kohler Art Center, when you were teaching classes, uh, cooking classes specifically. Oh, yes. The little children or the adults? or, or... Gosh, um, I think it was an adult class that I recall. All right. Because I remember people filing in to, and I, I think I was in the artery at the time, or the, the artist studio, and people were filing in. And then a couple hours later, they came out just beaming. All these people were like the happiest people, and they had these gorgeous plates of food that they could take home with them. And oh, thank you. There were That's... different cultures and experiences, and it's like, you know, there aren't many, there aren't many cooking experiences or experiences that you do that are um, like daily chore kind of things that are collective. And you creating these collective cooking classes brought so much joy to people or brings so much joy to people, I think. so. And I love doing that. I, yeah. I like all sorts of foods. There are no foods that frighten me. I don't know how brave <laughs> I would be about eating worms and things, but maybe I could. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like all sorts of foods. If millions of people eat this food in the world, how bad can it be? Right. And of course, people who come to cooking classes already know probably how to cut an onion and peel a cucumber and that sort of thing. Right. And they want a new experience. Our classes with the adults were always a country or some sort of a theme. Yeah. And with little children, it was just lots of hands-on things. Right. Cracking the egg and getting their hands into that egg and right. not being if they, if they were willing if yeah. they were willing they didn't have to right or their their the child next to them could crack the egg you know it, right right yeah I love the little the teaching skill of burgeoning 
beings, right? Yes, <laughs> of like, how yes. do we create food that we put in our bodies? You know, what does it mean to eat healthy or to make things from scratch? And instilling that uh, early on is so important. Of, co- of course it is. And the children... Some of the children were hesitant, but that was perfectly fine, absolutely fine. And they would watch their uh, fellow students (laughs) either participate or not. And usually they would participate, but they didn't have to. They did not have to at all. I love that because I, you know, I think so many people force other people to do things like that. And I, I love that you're... Uh, stance is sort of like you're going to get something from just the observation, and that's okay. And I often say that to little children, and of course, it's a bit of a trick, but it's true. Yeah. I say, you don't have to eat that. And when I was a little child, I didn't care for it either. Oftentimes, right. there's tastes that you like as an adult. Yeah. But of course, that inspired some of the children to taste it so they could show that they were an adult already. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. And I, I learned somewhere along the line in my uh, early childhood um, teaching right. um, that I think it takes like six tastes on the tongue for you to incorporate a new taste into your like whatever eating agenda or <laughs> repertoire of, of, of tastes which I think is really interesting. That's a lot. That is a lot. It never took me six times. Right. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> I've always liked to eat. I've always right. liked to eat. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of little children that come to my house. One is nine and five. And I, I've shown to them um, sauerkraut juice. And I said, you probably won't like this. This is I, it makes my eyes twinkle a lot when I drink it, and I and it's really sour, and I like that sour. Yeah. So of course they had to try it, and they kept their eyes open forcefully the whole time. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome! I love that. That's so cool. And the hot sauce, the the green Tabasco. The one little boy always goes to the pantry and gets that little bottle out and. Oh, it's so hot. It keeps on going. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's an exploration of taste buds. Yes, yes. That's such a cool idea that I hadn't really thought about. We have, like, playground explorations and literary explorations. and um, But to have a culinary exploration as children, I hadn't really thought it through How about that template before. rhubarb dipped into salt or sugar if they're brave enough to try it? Whoa. Like cooked? Would you cook it? Raw. It's cooked raw. raw. Really? Sure. Wow. And being a salt lover, the salt appeals to me a lot. And of course, it makes my eyes water, but I like that. Right. Yeah. It's like a little roller coaster. I mean, it's like kind of like a roller coaster then for your for your mouth. That's super fun. And jumbo black olives on their little fingers. And then of course, <laughs> yes. I'd put I'd, I'd eat them. But then of course, now they get the jumbo olives, put them on their fingers and eat all of those black olives. Oh my gosh, I love that. You're so creative with those things. Well, it's just fun. Yeah. But I love that. I think that you know, on the show we talk, you know, because it's like tuned into the creativity aspect, but there, there's so much that you do that's creative about choosing to do those things with the kids. Oh, that's lovely to hear, And because Erica. it's like through the fun lens. Yes, through the fun lens, yes. I think yes. so much of creativity is play. It is. Sure it is. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're talking about like the adult cooking classes too, 
Do you have one that sticks out in your mind that you really enjoyed? Like that was, ah, this one worked out really well. Well, I I'll have to think about that. I do enjoy doing them. And even now that I do them at the senior center or which is now called the Uptown Social. Right. And we right, meet at right. Kiwanis Fieldhouse. Oh, we, cool. Uh, we had one last week and we did bananas. Again, it's a country or a food theme. Yeah. And bananas. So we did banana ice cream, bananas foster with the flames, of course. That's no. the fun part of that. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And then um, banana pancakes. One of the women at the senior center told me about mashing a banana, adding an egg, and making pancakes. That's it. Two ingredients. No Works way. Works like magic. No way. So we had banana pancakes and then tostonis. What's because a tostoni? That's the plantain that looks like a banana. Well, I guess oh, it sure. is in the banana family, probably. Yeah. We did that one. I... I'm always apprehensive. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? And it does. Yeah. Because... There's usually 40 people there. It's, it's, wow. It's a class of 40 and usually fills completely. That's huge. And and we have a good time because, of course, when one is cooking, you make lots of boo-boos and errors dur- during it. Right. In, in a television show on TV, they edit out all that. But, of course, oh, right. my students see it all. So right. we have a lot of laughs during the class. Which is part of the joy of it. Well, of course it is. I, I mean, think they yeah. come for the shtick as well as the food. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the cool thing, I think, that is removed from... Like you said, like those cooking shows, when they edit that piece out, the mistakes are part of how we live. We have scars. We have these mistakes. But like how you recover from them or yes. how you flex yes. off of it is so much part of a learning experience for people. I mean, for me, for sure. Like if somebody makes a mistake and I see how they recover or how it it teaches me then, oh, maybe I could do that in the future as well. Of course, of yeah. course. And of course, we do the fresh garlic and the fresh onion. But I say, if you <laughs> want to buy the jarred, the jarred garlic, there are no garlic police coming to your right. house to take, take you into custody. <laughs> I love you. You do what you need to do. That's awesome. That's so great. I remember years ago when I was still catering, I was in somebody's home and it was a nice dinner party. We did flaming coffee uh, table side. Yeah. And it worked fine. And and we passed it out. And, and the host I've never said, heard of flaming coffee, well, by the way. it's simply what? coffee. Okay. And, and, uh, and then into a bowl, a separate bowl, you put sugar and a vanilla bean and maybe a piece of cinnamon and an orange peel. You rub it together to get some aroma. Wow. Then you pour the warm brandy or bourbon probably not scotch or gin, onto the sugar and light it on fire and then pour that onto the coffee. Wow. So it tastes like flavored coffee, but it's the flames beforehand that look so nice. We did that, and the host said to me, Marilyn, this coffee tastes a little salty. Sure enough, I had used salt instead of sugar. <laughs> and when I mentioned that to the gentleman years later, yeah. oh, I don't even remember that, Marilyn, but I do. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but how funny sure. that that's like, that, that's a riot. Because that sounds like an extravagant, <laughs> I've never heard of flaming coffee. It's so cool. Um, but to have that happen when you're, when you're doing 
like those. Yeah, a very nice dinner party. Right? A very nice dinner party. Yep. Oh my gosh. Which is how you began, right? Yes. So you started helping out a friend? That's what I did. And then people at that event asked if I would come and help them. So it was very, I said, sure, I will do that. It was slow starting, probably one a month, once every two weeks. And then when within three years, it was almost full time. And December's were insane. Wow. Yes. So I had no idea go- I would be so good at it. I had no idea. Oh my gosh. And it was just, it was just started from you. So you're a friend of yours, like ha- had a little catering company or something? No, she or had a she, party. Oh, she just had a party. And That's asked it? me to help do the party. Oh my gosh. Do you, do you remember what, what was served at the party that you helped out with? Oh my gosh. It's, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering what like sparked everybody's like, uh, yo, Marilyn, you gotta come. <laughs> I think, you gotta come cook for me. <laughs> I think it was tending to the details and getting the table set, the food prepared, all of the details, getting all of the right utensils, setting the table correctly yeah, all, right. to make it run very smoothly right, okay. and keep refilling and making the food look beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. And then full time. So does that mean like almost every day once it amped up after three years later that it, you were doing it almost daily? It wasn't that kind of full time. It was maybe something in the middle of the week, but then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, right. Oh, it, my gosh. For it, like 45 years? Yes. 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 Wow. And it was dinner parties and cocktail parties in private homes and a wedding in a private home. Yeah. Things like that. And then once the art center was, the addition at the art center was finished, then people would hire me to come to do events there occasionally wow. or a wedding there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. There were no set menus. It was whatever the. Uh, the host or hostess had in mind either a look or a feel or an event or a budget. We work out a menu for each party. It was not any set menus. Wow! So you tailored mm-hmm. individually. Oh these. yes, that is super special. Well, it was extra very very in- difficult to do. It was extra enjoyable to also do it that way. Right? Yeah, I totally see that. I think that that's uh that's that's a real creative way to merge ideas with another person to brainstorm mm-hmm. and then to create that. Mm-hmm. That's a a creative process. There was one hostess that I had served a sauerkraut dish as one of the dishes that it was a buffet. Yeah. It was choucroute and something else. Yeah. And she was so fond of the sauerkraut. Every time she called, that is the only thing she served. <gasps> okay, that's oh fine. Oh my gosh, that's a riot. Mm-hmm. And what is choucroute? A sauerkraut mixed with onions and sausages and maybe other meats also and oh, cooked for a right. long time. So it, it's very flavorful and wonderful. But of wow. course, on top, we'd have to do some sautéed sausages at the last minute to make the top look not just tan. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> right, because color is involved with this. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah, definitely. Or put it on in a car- colorful pot on a colorful tray, something. Interesting. All of those choices. So then you have to have 
you had to have all of those pieces at your disposal then too to complement the dish that you're creating. I had a lot of equipment, but most of the time we used whatever the hostess had available at her house. Wow. Her dishes, her pots and pans, usually. So would you go for consultations first yes. at the house yes. to see what the setup looked like? Yes, yes. That is so much work. It is, but that was part of the fun of it. Totally. The creating. Of right. It. There was one family, after I'd worked for them a number of times, they liked to do brunches, and they would just call and say, Marilyn, we're having brunch for 40, bring food. Wow. And then you could just... Yes. Do whatever. Yes. Yes. Because basically, I I'm thinking of these as a painter, right? I'm thinking of them as like commissions, mm-hmm. basically. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to please your client, <laughs> like of what you're creating, and um, so to 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 have the free reign and to say like, hey, come at this time, bring enough for forty. Yes. Um, but you've known the person so you sort of tailor their taste then too right or and for a brunch and 40 people i would know there should be one hot one cold one new exotic one regular non-scary food oh my gosh varieties of fruit of course for a brunch and sure uh, maybe some odd little something and a brand new salad of sorts and that this was maybe 20 years, 25 years ago. And that was the very beginning of the raw uh, Brussels sprout salad. So we did that. I had just read about it or something. So we tore apart, you know, bundles of Brussels sprouts. Now, there's no way that you could have done that on your own. No, I had a staff, all independent contractors. They weren't my staff. They were paid directly by the host or hostess. And they were very good. But that you hired them. Yes, like I you did. Found, okay. And paid them well because they were worth every penny. Oh, And my I gosh. did say to them, well, you can ask for anything you want. I need you so badly today. <gasps> wow, cool. <laughs> they were, And one of the uh, women who helped me cater was one of the rare people in the world with both sides of the brain works. Not only was she a CPA, she was extremely creative. Wow. And she truly was. So I gave her a an apron pattern. So she created all sorts of aprons. So we were coordinated in the way we looked also. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. What what did it look like? Well, they were over the shoulder aprons because the ones around the neck are not comfortable. No. And they were over the shoulder tied in the back. And she had many fabrics and she would do a bodice of one fabric and then the bottom of another and maybe a ruffle of a third, but all coordinated. So we looked like a coordinated group at the end. Wow. Linda was really very, very good. Do you still have your apron? Oh, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's really special, too, that she tuned in that way and that that was the unit, which also, I think, sort of unifies in a way that feels important and special, as opposed to sometimes uniforms yes. can be or feel stifling. We but don't, this is like a no. We never uh, wore black, ap- black aprons or white aprons. No, <laughs> we, we just didn't. Right, right. And yeah. for Christmas, then sometimes I would buy many white butcher aprons and dye them and and throw paint at them and things like that to make them look a little more special for Christmas. 
Oh my gosh, that's maybe purple with white thrown on it, so it looks like snowflakes or something. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> so great. I love doing it too, Erica. <laughs> cool. I didn't even think about all these different things. Sure, it's all the details. Look like a well put together group, and they. And I'd always charge ingredients plus hours, so it was very fair. It was never per plate, ever. Okay, and that's how it normally is? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Right. Hmm. Uh, welcome back to In the Act. I'm Erica Hunsinger. We're here with Marilyn Montemayor and talking about, what it, what it, what do you call that? I was going to say commissions, but it's not commissions. <laughs> Just jobs. Jobs. I called it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so did you start when you were doing the dinners and stuff? How did you decide that you're like, I'm going to slow down or I'm not going to, I've reached the point of this being done full time. What was your process there? When I got close to 65, yeah, I, I decided I'm going to retire at 65. I still love doing it and I miss it. But I did not ever want to get to the point where something would happen with my health and at the last minute I would have to not show up. I didn't ever want that as my going away. Wow. I wanted to go out on top. Yeah. And it was hard to do. I still, the fact that I'm doing cooking classes for free now fills that, that empty spot for me. But if for some reason... You know, at 80, I can't make the cooking class. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what a, geez. So for 15 years, you've been doing cooking classes for free? Yes. I mean, that is such a huge give back, Marilyn. Well, I get to do it. That's, that's, I love it. So. Yeah. Wow. And for, I'm, I'm still stuck on the fact that you have like 40 people showing up from like Uptown Social to yes. do like bananas, foster yes. and yes. banana pancakes and stuff yes. like that. Yes. And is that, so do you come upon like your, do you choose the, for the classes, do you choose the, the item or the theme? Usually I do, but other people give me ideas and we do them. All right. Uh, now coming up in May, we're going to do uh, German food because the mayor, Ryan Sorensen, is going to come and be the guest chef, and then I'll be his sous chef. Okay. And he said, Marilyn, I can do schnitzel and spätzle. I said, okay. <laughs> so he's booked for May. June, Natasha Tori is going to come and do Juneteenth soul food. Absolutely. Okay. In July, Emily Rendell's husband is going to do Peruvian. So I will be helping them all the time. Right, right. And then... August, I don't, I don't know. I know I'm going to talk to Stefano, see if he'll come and I'll be his sous chef, or he can be mine, and we can do something. And I talked to Rob Hurry, and he said he'd do it sometime. I don't know who Rob Hurry is. The Black Pig. Oh, sure, okay, right, sure. And Chad Pelichek comes and helps a lot. He and I often, or most of the time, do the the our, the events at the art center. Oh, the, really? The thousand people for the. 
Christmas brunch. That's right. The winter winter holiday. Yeah, the holiday continental. Holiday continental. That's what it is. He has been working with me for years and years. Again, out of the goodness of his heart, because he again, his brain is so working on both sides. He loves the cooking creations. Oh, how fun! Yes. So, um, can you talk about the holiday continental? Oh, yeah. What does that look like? That because you said a thousand people, like it's just like. well, an anthill or something <laughs> like that. I mean, this is... that's the only time I, I do a thousand people. Okay. Well, I did. There was one big Christmas party that was three hundred and fifty every year, but that was four or five different food places with different foods. That was great fun to do. But the Holiday Continental at the Art Center is a uh, purchased scrambled eggs in a bag that we have to boil and. Gotcha. And, and Chad helps with that, another with another gentleman. And then we have um, purchased pastries, and we gotcha. do fruit that we don't have to do a lot of work for. Cut right. the grapes into pieces, things like that. Yeah. Not lots of last-minute right. cutting. Yeah. Um, Which is a whole different set of way to cook. A whole right? different way to cook. A yeah. whole different way to cook. And have big lines and big platters and big right. trays. And enough, again, f- donated staff time yeah. or friends time to sure. come and help. And just keep it filled and keep it filled and keep it filled. Right. It is not gourmet food. It's yeah. just quick to make food that can be done in that one kitchen for a thousand people. <laughs> I know. It's so wild. I know. And of course, big time caterers, they know how to do that. Sure. But thousand people is a big job for me too. Uh, Yeah, for sure. And Chad gets there at 435 in the morning and I'm there by six. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so I, it's just such an amazing thing that from the minutia of not minutia, I guess that's not really a good way to put it, but like paring down to working with children and having this very hands-on one-to-one almost experience up to this other range of a thousand and having to use all the skill sets and knowledge behind all of those things to be able to successfully manage, order, cook, present, and manage your own health and self within all of those. And of course, I don't do it alone. There's lots of good staff at the Art Center that work very willingly to help and lots of volunteer help that come to help us do this. My husband comes and washes dishes and washes dishes and washes dishes in the dishwasher, (laughs) in the dishwasher, the the three-minute dishwasher. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all of us together, and it is hard work. And at the end of the day, we're just bushed, but we've loved every minute of it. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And you've taught classes here at the at Mead Library, too. Yes. Right? Yes. Any yeah. place they'll have me. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We wouldn't have you. <laughs> um, so question, because cooking classes are so hands-on and in person, what changed for you during the pandemic? Well, a lot of cooking classes did not happen. But also, then the senior center staff would come to my kitchen with equipment and tape me doing things in my kitchen. And that would be the cooking class. Oh, okay. Would it be live stream 
So happening at the same time or was it recorded then? So then played later? You know what, Erica? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I'll have to ask Emily. Yeah. Okay. But that's how that's how you guys negotiated that, yes, huh? Yes, that's how we did it. Okay. That's how we did it. And when um, the two or three people were in the kitchen with me, we wore, we wore masks. Yes, yeah. we did. Right. And what was that experience like for you to it, think about? Did you have to think about things differently or present differently? It had to be quite a bit different because it had to be the camera focusing on one small area in the kitchen. Right. So it ended up looking more like a TV, but it wasn't all that creative. And it limited the um, class or the foods that I could cover and could do. Right. And I would think also because you get stimulated by being around people that you're missing that component of the joy, joie de vivre of your cooking experience then too. Yes, that's, in that's true. Yes, yes. Because when I make boo-boos at, at the cooking classes and everyone laughs with me, it's it's great. Right, right. And so now things have shifted back a bit. And so now you're back cooking in person. Yes. And yeah. Now, Anne Kraft, who is one of the members at the Senior Center, is creative in table decorations. Oh, my goodness sake, she does fabulous things. So she finds out the theme, and she decorates the tables. We did Frosty Finland. She made paper reindeer. Frosty Finland? Frosty Finland. Oh, Frosty Finland. Yes. Sorry. I, was yeah, like... I, I sort of mumbled there. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Finland. We did Finnish food. Oh, um, before we did the bananas. It was the previous month. Okay. Can you walk us through the um, Frosty Finland? Frosty Finland. Like, how do you begin? Can you kind of walk us through how this how this goes? Well, Kristen Pluser from the... She's fabulous. Right. Love her. Her ancestry is Finnish. Oh, yeah. So I said to Kristen, let's do a Finnish cooking class. And yeah. she said, of course, we'll do that. So she... And you know, Erica, I didn't even think about Frosty Finland. What did we have? What did we have? Oh, yes, we made fish stew, which was white fish with white potatoes and white onions oh, and cream. Sure. It was just, and it tasted just fabulously good. Oh, I bet. And of course, we had uh, Finnish coffee. Um, I don't know Finnish coffee. Well, it's simply a, a tasty, mild coffee. It's just. Uh, the coffee grounds came from Finland. We went huh. to Elkhart Lake to Nordic Accents. Oh. And that woman is from Finland, and she's okay. had that gift shop in Elkhart Lake for 30 years. Cool. So she helped us out with the Finnish coffee and all sorts of Finnish stuff. Awesome. Right. I Yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what did we make besides the fish stew that day? Oh, no, that's... Oh, okay. yes, yeah. we made the the rye cookies, rolled out wafers with some rye flour mixed with the white flour and sugar and vanilla, and then cut them out and put a little hole in the center, off-center, oh. sprinkled it with caraway seeds. Caraway and rye made into a cookie that is just tasty, extremely wow. delicious. That's what we had, bless the fish stew. I don't that's remember what That's lovely. Else. What a great, that's fantastic. I didn't even know there was such a thing as Finnish coffee either. Well, but, it, it's coffee, coffee, but right. it is a mild coffee. Right, okay. 
So my, not like an espresso. No, not espresso. No, it is not that. Yeah. Right. And as Kristen said, uh, her ancestors drink coffee before breakfast, at breakfast, mid-morning, lunch, <laughs> afternoon, a couple before they go to bed at night. So it can't be that strong because otherwise the caffeine would really like jack you up too much. So you'd be like out of control all day. <laughs> I wonder, I think about my grandparents so, drank coffee all the time there before decaf. Right. And they drank coffee all day. That's but of true. Course my grandparents did too. Weak coffee with half a cup of cream in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a difference. Sure. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the finished coffee is there's not maybe as much caffeine in it. But the warming liquid too, I can't help but think of like the the warmth that's generated from the fish stew and from the warm coffee. That's great. That's wonderful. And the woman who runs Nordic Accents said to us when we were there buying stuff, she said she likes to go back to Finland to visit her family every year, but she wasn't going this year because Finland is afraid of the Russians. Oh, wow. Yeah, because 1939, the Winter War, they did to Finland what they're now doing to Ukraine. I was unaware of that. It maybe wasn't as extensive, but it was the invasion of Finland in 39. Wow. I don't know my world history very well. Geography and history and cooking are the things I love a lot. Well, that makes so much sense because they're all sort of integrated together in how you present and share your passions. When I graduated from high school in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, I went to airline school in Minneapolis. What? Yes. And then, <laughs> um, of course, then airline representatives came to recruit every Midwestern person they could get. So I worked for Pan Am in New York City for a few years oh, and then in Dallas. Cool. Oh, my gosh. I loved Pan Am. Oh, yes. Me too. Me too. And I worked for Pan Am in New York at the time that Khrushchev came to the UN and banged his shoe on the, yes. Oh, right. On the podium. And yeah. also when Castro came with his own live pigs because he was afraid the CIA was going to poison him. Well, we now know that's true. They were. Oh, my but, gosh. Weird. Really? So we were there. <laughs> I was there coincidentally when all of that happened. Um, also, my uncle worked for Pan Am in New York City oh, at the really? same time that you were probably there. Yes, so, yes. Um, you might have known M Marty. <laughs> I, I might have known Marty. You're right. It was from 59 till 61 that I worked there. Wow. Oh, that, sure. Before they even built the downtown Pan Am building, it was still in Long Island City. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because they lived in Long Island. Yes. They so live in I. Brentwood. Okay. Yeah. We lived in, I forget. And then I went to Dallas. I had a roommate from Oklahoma, Lawana Looking Bill from Loco, Oklahoma. That was her name. Yes. That's like a soap opera name. It is. That's it fantastic. Is. Right. She looked like Jane Wyman. Oh, my Truly, gosh. She really did. Goodness. Then we moved to Dallas and worked for Pan Am there. And huh. we were at the parade when Kennedy was shot. Marilyn, really? Yep. My gosh. Goodness. Oh, it still brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we were down, we came down from the office and watched the parade, and they went past us. We went and saw Jackie in her pink suit, and then by the time we got upstairs, it had happened. Oh, my God. Marilyn, I'm so sorry. Oh, well, it's yeah. part of life. Right. Of my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the next day, riding on the bus back gosh. downtown to Dal downtown Dallas, all of the uh, store windows were draped in black. Wow. 
Neiman Marcus. We were across the street from Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus, drugstores, everything. And it was quiet. It was just quiet. Wow. Wow, what a earth-shattering, profound Oh, yeah. And there were lots of young uh, men taking apartments all over the place in Dallas. We lived in an apartment house. And you figure they were probably all CIA and FBI, I'm guessing, because all of a sudden there were just lots of them. Right. Well, yeah, that would make sense. Sure. What a trauma. It was. It was, yes. And then uh, I married Lee. Being Hispanic from Texas, he said, we're getting out of Texas. I said, okay. So we moved to back to Wisconsin, Sheboygan, oh. and been here since 1965. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was that the catalyst for moving out of Texas? No, it was just um, it, it, me being a Yankee, not knowing the ethos I see. Right. And because I had people say to me, Marilyn, we knew you were a Yankee because no good Texas girl would ever marry a Mexican. Wow. Yeah. And Lee growing up there, he knew that too. He said he was always careful growing up in Waco and he was never afraid in Sheboygan ever. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because it was so, it, he experienced so much racism in right, Texas. Right. Yeah. And then you did too. You were. Which I didn't even comprehend. Right, of course. Right. And not that my parents taught us to be non-racist. Being so white, it didn't ever come up in the conversation. Right. And it had never come up in their parents' conversation. Right. So they weren't taught to be racist. Right. Welcome back to In the Act. Whew, I got emotional there for a second. <laughs> I know, me too. Me too. And then in Sheboygan, I started uh, cooking at the synagogue. They called me one morning and said, can you come and help do some food? So I went over there, and the rabbi's wife was showing me the kitchen and some of the kosher rules. And I said, sure. actually, I know the kosher rules because I worked at Camp Herzl when I was in high school, which awesome. is in Ashland, Wisconsin. Cool. And I... I was 16. I knew nothing, but I learned the kosher rules because I worked at that kitchen. Wow. Well, the rabbi's wife was so glad to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I met Fela Warshaw at um, the synagogue. Oh, my goodness. And then I drove her around around Wisconsin for 20 years speaking. And what what was she speaking on? Oh, about her life and surviving the Holocaust, growing up in um, Ozorkov, Poland, and then she and her family at the Lodge Ghetto, surviving, and then to Auschwitz, and she and her sisters survived the selection, but her brothers and mother and father were gone the first day. And then she and her sister went from Auschwitz to Neuengamen and then worked in in the streets of Hamburg cleaning rubble. You know, being guarded by and that, and they. Uh, and how old were those girls then? 
I think probably by the time of liberation, maybe Fela was 18 or 19, and her sister was a year older. And they were taken at what age? Um, four years earlier, something like that. Yeah. And then at the very end, they went from Neuengamen on the train to um, Bergen-Belsen, and then they were liberated Bergen-Belsen by the British Army. Of course, this makes me cry again, too. Of course. It does. But she said she and her friends, her sister and the two friends that became friends, there was no water, there was no food, there was nothing, dead bodies all over the place, naked, because people only had the clothing on their body. So if someone died, they took that clothing and put it on themselves. That's why there were so many naked bodies. Oh, I didn't know that. And she said they were so weak, they decided, today I am going to just lie down and die, but not out on the grounds. I'm going to go in the building. But her sister took one last look, and there was the British Army. No, not the British Army, a couple of trucks. And the British Army was surprised. They knew it did not. They did not know it existed. And they were liberated. And thousands died afterwards because they were too far gone, but she and her sister survived. Oh, my gosh. And she said the British Army treated us very well. They brought food, they brought medicine, and um, they took very good care of us. But then they decided to go to the American zone. So they went to the American zone, and she said the Americans treated us as well, and they were so super friendly. Yeah. And that's where she met her husband, who, again, had been taken off the streets of Ludge when he was 16. And he had six sisters and brothers and family. They were all gone. Only he survived. What an incredible, massive trauma to a collective group of people that... uh, I'm so glad that you're talking about this. I'm so glad you're sharing about it. I realize it's hard. I'm so glad you were friends with her. Oh, and yes. like that oh, this yes. was sure. something you did. And wow. her her two daughters still live in New York City now. They're roommates wow. in New York City. And they're at the retirement age. And we have, I think, her collection you do. here at Mead Library. Yes, you do. And her tapes of, of things that she said at the different uh, schools she spoke to schools mostly, but adult groups also, and I drove her all over Wisconsin to do that. So I know her story by heart because I heard it so many times. Wow. That's so incredibly beautiful and valuable to share. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, yes, of course. And, uh, you know, the Warshaw room we have on the second floor here, um, and it's kind of tucked away, and, you know, it's such an important... And I think we had a a display up front, too, about um, from pieces from the Warshaw Room as well. And, you know, I I think what I hope from this show in part is that we see the humanity in each other and that the value that each of us can bring um, in our own creative ways. Yep. Um, and doing it through love. Oh, yes. yes. Um, and golly, you know, I didn't even think that this would stimulate all this other conversation. But I, I love the fact, Marilyn, that you have this love of like the world and the history and then 
bringing stories and food together, but it's all about nourishment as well, which is like creative nourishment. You're like the creative nourishment queen. <laughs> all right. Thank oh you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's just silly right now because yeah. I'm overwhelmed, I yes, feel like, yes, a little yes, bit. Yes. Um, and Fela and her husband always came to our, our house at Christmas time. They always came at Christmas time. Sure. And even they ate our food, especially Anshul, because Fela was very strict with his diet. Yeah. And and Fela and Anshul kept strictly kosher at their home. Yeah. They would eat the food at our house. Yeah. Yes. I We had neighbors uh, growing up that um, were Jewish, and I spent, I did Passover every yes. year with yes. them. Right. And um, I just thought that that was part of what we all did. We of just course. shared holidays with our neighbors and, <laughs> yes. and stuff. And so um, I have a... Deep love of gefilte fish and horseradish. Oh, yes. The red horseradish. Uh, Yeah, with the beets in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, But how how enriching our lives are by opening ourselves up to new experiences, new tastes on our buds, right? Like on our tongues, but like also that sort of installation of generosity and connection and exploration early in life is so important for how we manage and navigate and negotiate how we move through this world because we're so interconnected. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Talk about interconnection and funny things. (laughs) When I lived in New York with Lawana, we went to... I love that name. So good. <laughs> I know. We went to Miami on vacation. We had the free tickets. So we went to Miami. So great. Oh, we yeah, because Pan Am free right. tickets. Are- we actually had tickets to Cuba, but we didn't go because we stayed in Miami for a party, if you can imagine such a thing. But we did. <laughs> That's great. And I met a couple of guys. And so we, you know, we danced with them and we had a good time with them. And yeah. that was the end of it. Right. When I moved to Dallas later on and I met the two guys in an apartment across the street that was my future husband, Lee, and the guy from Miami. No. (laughs) Yes. Really? (laughs) That's so weird. I love how synchronicity and these bizarre things that happen in our lives like that. (laughs) You have to behave. You never know. (laughs) You have to behave. My mother used to tell me, um, nothing good happens after midnight. (laughs) I was like... Well, sometimes things could happen after midnight, but better better to be home in bed by midnight. Oh, yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Wow. We've just like circled the globe. You know, I feel like in some, in some ways when I sit in this chair, I try and distill some information. But I w- want to know if – what are your thoughts on – sharing with other people? Like, what would you like to... Well, when it comes to food, all the food in the world is good because millions of people eat it. I always say, how bad can yeah. it be? Millions of people eat that food. Um, so I like to to, to pr- give that information and encourage people food-wise. Yeah. How, however, some people are apprehensive about food. And of course, this probably goes into all sorts of parts of our lives. Sure. They are oh, yeah. slightly afraid of trying a new food. Yes. Probably because what if it tastes terrible to my mouth? Will I embarrass myself? 
Oh, I didn't even think about the shame of that. Right. Sure. And maybe that's why it holds them back from other parts of their lives, too. I I don't know. Sure. That makes sense. But I do say to the little kids, uh, I hope you try it. You do not have to. And if it tastes terrible, you can just spit it out. And a little kid will do that. Right. But an adult would have a hard time doing that. Right. So I don't try to shame people into trying foods that they do not want to try. Right. That is not nice. It is not fair. Right. And that's a good analogy for other aspects then you're saying. Right? I think so. so that I think so. The shoulds right. should be removed. <laughs> should <laughs> should shoulds should be should be removed. <laughs> and also people are going to do what they're going to do. I will not be able to change anybody. They will either change or not. Yeah. By pointing out someone's boo-boos does not make them change. They figure out that all on their own, just like I did. Right. In my experience, it all comes back to personal experience. Yep. If you've had a personal experience with it, you can identify with it, you can empathize with it, you can have compassion with it, more so than if it happens to someone else, and less engaged with it if it's with happens to somebody who doesn't look like you. Um, isn't of the same area as you, whatever otherness it is. Um, yeah, like how do we defeat otherness? <laughs> Othernessness. <laughs> if, if Erica, if we can figure that out, we get lots of prizes. Right. But will anybody listen to us? Right. But a great way to start is cooking and sharing that meal, that like yes. one-on-one experience. Yes. That, yes. And the, to know that that's been like your driving. Force when you, you know, when you talked about the, the elements that you felt were important in the dinners, you know, having an unusual salad, having something that they're comfortable on their palate with, yes. having something that's going to challenge them a little bit, having like and having those elements, it's like. Um, but you also then talked about the structure of how the place setting was and the structure of what you need to have in place and how to make it happen. So you have these structural elements that that all allow for then the creativity to be felt out and have intuitive decisions within that then too. When the buffet is placed, it should be colorful and bland and firm and crunchy and messy. It can't all be of one. It should be a nice mixture. And that's like the ingredients of life. Sure. It's like that's that's perfect. Right. Sure. Just watching television in your pajamas is great, and then going to a concert is good also. Totally. Yep. Yes. Texture. <laughs> Experimentation. <laughs> Exploration. Yeah. Oh, man. How do you see moving forward, like, where do you, where do you want to create? I'll continue doing cooking classes at the senior center, especially in the new building. Right now, having to bring... Every spoon and napkin and salt and every single thing along to do a cooking class is difficult. Oh, but right, because it's temporary space that you're doing that in. And right, as sure. difficult as that is, I'm willing to do it to get the opportunity of being able to do it because I right. really enjoy doing that work. Yeah. Um, so I will continue. I will get older and older, thank goodness. My grandfather lived to be 102. I'm aiming for that. <laughs> yes. And he always <laughs> ate overripe bananas. 
So that's a key. I'm guessing that's it your, is. your food key. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even care for bananas. <laughs> but I love the coffee. <laughs> so even that, like you had an entire class on bananas and yes. it's not even one of your favorite. It's no, not no. something that you right. particularly enjoy, but you're going to explore yes. and expand on it because it's part of that. No, I, I love l- sour and salty. That's my palate favorite, sour and salty. So we did a lemon class one time. We did a mushroom class and a lot of gentlemen came to that and a couple of them had brought mushrooms that they had picked in their yard. So that was all sorts of new information for me. Cool. It was. Was cool. Dr. Graf one of them? No, it wasn't. It, oh, okay. It, right. Yeah. Wonder he was a mushroom expert. Yeah, and I cooked for Dr. Graf quite a bit. Wow, cool. Yes. Well, jeepers. Yeah. What is what are some of your favorite go-to dishes? Well, I always like marinated raw vegetables. Marinated raw vegetables. Okay. Cut up broccoli, cauliflower, green onion, tomatoes, um, pea pods. Uh, not mushrooms. They get they bleed out too brown. But those colorful oh, vegetables. Sure. Yeah. And then good seasoned salad dressing mix made double strength. And that's all there is to it. That's fabulous. Oh, my gosh. And it looks gorgeous and tastes really good. Yeah, right. It does. And, of course, homemade enchiladas. I learned to make those after marrying Lee. And um, so we had chicken and cheese enchiladas. Sunday, the family comes over, and I always have food. Oh, that's Now, so during great. the pandemic, when it was intense, then yeah. I would make the food and put it outside, and they would pick it up and take it to their house to eat. Oh, my gosh. That is so sweet. Well... I got to cook that way. Right, right. That's and right. that's like part of the love that you share them. Well, and it yeah. releases my tension also. Interesting. Sure. What about it releases tension for you? What it, which, when, when do you feel calm? Like when you're actually cooking? When I'm cooking, when I'm prepping, when I'm cleaning up, I, my, I enjoy the cleanup as much as the making. And I enjoy that action of cutting and stirring and washing dishes and going to one end of the kitchen and the other end of the kitchen and putting it together, all of the parts, not just the food. Right. Yeah. And then making something beautiful and tasty. And that doesn't always happen. Right. But, you know, and and sometimes they say, oh, this goes directly to this disposal. (laughs) And that's okay. Oh, sure. Right? Because it it's is. like it, sure. it's like the skiing thing. If you're not falling down, then you're you're yeah. you're not challenging yourself right. to right. to grow in in that same way. And I do like to teach myself new food skills all the time. New foods, new food skills, new recipes, and the old tried and true that my mother made. We also, with our meal this week, the chicken enchiladas, we Uh had red jello with peaches in it like my mother made. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And whipped cream out of a can. (laughs) I love that. That's so great. Pulling along the generations with you. And yeah, this has just been such a rich discussion of you and your life and Everybody has a story. Everybody's life is full. When you start talking to people and they tell what they've done, you say, oh, my goodness sakes, everybody's life is full and in, and rich. I absolutely believe that too, Marilyn. Yeah. Thank you so much for oh, yeah. everything, for sharing you and your life and 
process and um well i of course love talking about myself doesn't everybody <laughs> not everybody does like doing that i don't and, think and, and and everybody has an opinion on everything don't kid yourself that's true right <laughs> that's true yeah well thank you for sharing all of yours <laughs> yeah you're right and Thanks. your heart with so many people and your your passions of people and places and nourishment, really. So thank you, Erica. Thank you, Marilyn. And if um, people would like to get a hold of you, would they check in with the with the Uptown Social? They could. And actually, if they have an old telephone book, I'm still listed in the telephone book. There you go. All right. <laughs> or, or and I'm a county board supervisor now. So you can find that out online to my telephone numbers. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Marilyn. You're welcome. In the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.